Hey there, if you're listening to this and you support us on Patreon, you can hear it via the Patreon page ad-free. So now listen, gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we're sharing some of our favorite songs of 2022. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. I'll also be sharing an excerpt from my annual mixtape. But first, in memoriam. Yes, Greg. uh, You know, every year we do our best to spotlight the musicians and music industry folks who died that we wanted to pay tribute to. And they're not always the ones that grab the biggest headlines, people sometimes that uh, we, we felt our audience should meet, even if only in death. But we can't get to everybody. Last week we highlighted a few musicians we're missing, and now it's time to wrap up 2022 and talk about a few more of the artists we lost last year. Yeah, that's right, Jim. First, uh, we want to recap who we discussed this year, since we always have people asking, why didn't you talk about this person? It's true. Well, we did. (laughs) And uh, not everyone, but, you know, we did do, it was an incredibly prolific and painful year in terms of of deaths in the the rock and musical world. Uh, Here's who we covered in our annual regular episodes who passed away in 2022. Uh, Ronnie Spector, Meatloaf, director Peter Bogdanovich, blues drummer Sam Lay, Mark Lanigan, Chris Bailey of the Saints, country music journalist and my friend Chrissy Dickinson, Jerry Lee Lewis, Loretta Lynn, Mimi Parker of Lowe, Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac, and Anton Fear of the Feelies. You know, we also have the uh, midweek podcast episodes, and we talked about Rachel Nagy of the Detroit Cobras, uh, R&B singer Timmy Thomas, the artist Cynthia Plastercaster, William Hart of the Delphonics, Motown songwriting legend Lamont Dozier, jazz musician Joey DeFrancesco, Dead Kennedys drummer D.H. Pellegro, and, and the Tropicalia singer, the pioneer Gal Costa. Some other notable names that we did not cover on either platform include Greek film composer Vangelis, jazz pianist Ramsey Lewis, Takeoff of Migos, Coolio, Olivia Newton-John, Naomi Judd, early rock and roller Ronnie Hawkins, and a couple of drummers, Jet Black of the Stranglers and Dino Dinelli of the Young Rascals. Of course, that's not an exhaustive list. So please feel free to leave us a message on our website at soundopinions.org with the artists we lost in 2022, who meant the most to you and why. Uh, Now, Greg, we're going to go in-depth on just a few more artists we miss that we think deserve the spotlight. I'm going to lead off with Irene Cara. Uh, It was a narrow call for me between Irene Cara and Olivia Newton-John. Both of them meant a lot to me in my formative years of movie going and and listening to the pop charts. A little bit of a crush on both of those great singers. Uh, But Olivia Newton-John was covered extensively in the media. Uh, If I had a nickel for every time I saw the grease scene of her turning into the bad girl, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Irene Cara didn't so much get her due 
except for a wonderful obituary in the New York Times, because she was a New Yorker, child star from the Bronx. Grew up an actor, dancer, and singer, starting out at 10 or 11, uh, you know, wanted to be on stage of Puerto Rican descent. Uh, I don't know about you, you're a little bit older than me, mm. but at 13, she was a regular on the Electric Company. <laughs> Remember that on yeah. PBS? And then, of course, uh, put her mark on two uh, huge films Flashdance, where she sang the super hit, uh, What a Feeling. And fame, you know, she wanted to live forever, uh, as she uh, declared. And also, you know, another great song, Out Here on My Own. Um, she was what she portrayed on screen in Fame, a student at a performing arts high school in New York who wanted to make it, who worked tirelessly, who came from uh, in a working class background, but wanted to get to the top. And with those two songs, she did, but the career was derailed despite two pretty solid solo albums that followed those movie hits, uh, got involved in a long and ugly fight, oldest story in the pop music industry with a record label, you know, wound up winning $1.5 million. But it took years, and it derailed her career, and it earned her a reputation as, quote-unquote, difficult to work with. And I think it's one of pop music's, another of pop music's, uh, horrible injustices. Uh, and she died young, 63. Indeed, Jim. Uh, there are so many uh, that left us this year. Uh, recently, Hamish Kilgore, uh, the great drummer with the New Zealand band The Clean, uh, passed away at age 65, early December. Uh, maybe not a household name. He and his brother David founded The Clean. Uh, but if you know anything about indie rock or you're a fan of indie rock, you owe a lot to this band and to this person. Hamish, the drummer in the band, David, his brother, guitarist. Uh, together they wrote the songs, um, and what a foundation they built. New Zealand, early 80s, The Clean, really started that whole Dunedin scene that became world famous over the next decade. Bands like the Verlaines and uh, the Bats. Uh, the chills uh, going worldwide with that music and uh, also influencing a lot of what was happening on the, on the indie scene in, uh, in the United States as well and England as well. Fusing the sort of a velvet underground minimalism, a little bit of that kraut rock, uh, motoric groove, For sure. garage rock, psychedelia, pop. Most of the new bands in New Zealand that follow them, all those bands that I mentioned, owe something to them. Basically creating a scene, putting out records independently on the Flying Nun label, showing that DIY was a viable working method for making great music, uh, no matter where you were in the yep. world. You know, even, even down under. Even a little college town in the middle of New Zealand, right? And uh, here they were, the clean. Uh, you know, it needs to be mentioned that uh, Hamish was famously allergic 
to any hint of commerciality or selling out, mm. you know. So as soon as the as the clean started making records that maybe a little more produced, he, you know, he basically broke up the band, yeah. um, and they reformed in 1990. And he went on to do a bunch of other things with bands like the Balter Space and um, uh, solo projects. Uh, he had a great little band. Uh, uh, that he formed with bassist Lisa Siegel called The Mad Scene that put out a bunch of great records in the 90s, but it's The Clean that really uh, made his name, and uh, we owe him so much in terms of uh, defining the music scene over the next few decades. Greg, you knew I was going to want to talk about Nick Turner. Absolutely. <laughs> Big space rock fan. Yeah. Uh, I love Hawkwind. Uh, we've talked about him on and off occasionally on the show. It's hard because it's one of those bands with uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of recordings in their discography. But I will argue, and it's a somewhat conventional view, that the first couple of albums, uh, when they broke out with their space rock sound, mm. well, Lemmy go on to Motorhead, was still in the band. That's when they were at their best. And at the same time that they added Lemmy, they added Nick Turner. Uh, born and raised in Oxford, right? Uh, became a bit of a hippie, wandering around Europe, uh, performing free jazz, talented saxophonist and flautist. Uh, started out as a roadie for Hawkwind mm. because he knew Dave Brock, the somewhat dictatorial leader of Hawkwind. Um, you know, eventually Brock got under his skin, Turner left, came back, left for good. Uh, you know, so did Lemmy, for mm -hmm. that matter. But they early on, the costumes, the face makeup, <laughs> the uh, the lights, the, the nude dancer Stacia under the, 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 the day glow lights on stage, and, you know, the sound literally of taking off and heading into the stratosphere. In fact, his death was announced by loved ones as uh, Nick has moved on to the next phase of his <laughs> cosmic journey. I got to see him, you know, later on he had various uh, bands that were essentially Hawkwind tributes. I right. got to see him play at Lounge Axe, oh, of yeah. all places, right? Yeah. You know, me and 149 other people. Right. And uh, just, you know, man, tear off the top of your head. You know, wrote some of those great early songs along with Brock, including uh, Master of the Universe. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'd like to remember Nick Turner. Yeah, yeah, wow. Beautiful, beautiful uh, musical uh, career. And I did see uh, them in their various incarnations. That band just kept going and going and, and going, going and, and going and going. going. Yeah, it, uh, it was an amazing thing. And not that many people cared, but those who did loved them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Hamish Kilgorg being one of the sort of underground uh, names in the development of uh, music, indie music, uh, over the next 40 years that perhaps isn't widely known but should be. Uh, Keith Levine fits into that category as well, the great uh, guitarist, age, another one, age 65, mm. uh, you know, had suffered from liver cancer all his life, died in, in November. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Keith Levine was one of the founding members of The Clash in 1976 yeah. Yeah. with Mick Jones and Paul Simonon. 
And, you know, it was Levine that approached Joe Strummer about joining the band. Hey, you ought to join this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he started, he, he was, he was uh, actually uh, in the formative stages of many of those songs uh, that were, that appeared on the debut album by The Clash, which is still one of the great punk records absolutely, ever made. Absolutely. But at the same time, he was getting a little uh, restless with the fact that the music to him sounded too conventional. Yeah, he had it was more still art too rock, rock and yeah, roll. He yeah. wanted to be a little artier, a little bit more challenging in terms of um, how, how he wanted to push guitar playing and songwriting. And he found a perfect collaborator, Johnny Lydon, who was sick and tired <laughs> of the punk thing after leaving the Sex Pistols, was moving on. He wanted to move on. He found a great collaborator in Keith Levine to start Public Image Limited along with the great bassist, Ja Wobble. Mm -hmm. And uh, the three of them and uh, a, a series of fantastic drummers, including Martin Atkins, yep. who has been uh, a, a pillar of independent music over the last 40 years. Um, what a great band that was. The debut album by Public Image Limited, I'll, I'll never forget seeing that video, Public mm -hmm. Image on the little screen up at Wax Tracks Records in Chicago and going, what the heck <laughs> what is, is this? And Levine's guitar style, I mean, that's the, he launched a thousand post-punk ships with that yep. guitar style. Yeah. I mean, The Edge probably was taking notes oh, when yeah. Public Image oh, came yeah. out. I mean, you know, if you listen to I Will, uh, you know, I Will Follow, mm -hmm. U2's debut single, I mean, it owes a lot to Public Image, the single that was released two years earlier. Levine was a great guitar player. I think a lot of people who know guitar playing sort of can say uh, the evolution of the guitar pre-Keith Levine and post-Keith Levine. He basically invented the post-punk mm -hmm. style of guitar playing. So what a, what a great contribution he made. Number of solo records, several records with Public Image, but uh, the legacy of the guitar playing and the way he pushed the parameters of indie rock were uh, pretty amazing. Those are our final obits of 2022. Be sure to leave us a message on our website, soundopinions.org, with your thoughts. Coming up, Jim and I and our producers are going to share their picks for the best songs of 2022. And later, I'll share my annual mixtape on Sound Opinions. And we are back. A few weeks back, Greg, we shared our favorite albums of 2022 on the main show, on the bonus podcast, the full list up at soundopinions.org. We had 20 each. Um... Uh, you know, and, and those are albums that we, we listen to again and again and again that wormed their way under our skin that became our favorites over the course of the year. You know, then there are singles, what used to be called a single, or songs, individual songs. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we aren't always reviewing these albums, but out there in the world, and I'll talk about my methodology in particular in a bit, um, you know, these songs dent your consciousness, and become uh, a favorite, all right? Not necessarily the album, the song. Uh, so we're going to start off, though, with our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, who's going to tell us what her favorite song of 2022 was. So the last time I talked about K-pop was back in May of this year, where I talked about my favorite group, Stray Kids. And now I'm going to be talking about another one of my favorite groups. They're called ATs. And the song that I'm going to choose for my top song of 2022 
is their song Gorilla. It's off of their The World EP1 Movement album. Or maybe it's called The World Episode 1 Movement. There could be an episode 2. Who knows? But it, it came out in July. And this album in general just has a lot more rock influence. And especially in this song, you can hear, you know, a couple screams, a couple guitars. Some really cool vibrato that you hear in, like, a lot of older rock songs. And I just thought it was really cool. And it's very different from a lot of more bubbly poppy k-pop songs that are out there um so yeah and another cool thing about this group is that a lot of their songs are self-produced and it's very rare to sort of see that in such a saturated industry like k-pop but yeah very cool hope you like it here is gorilla by 80s Also, if Jim can bring up Brian Eno in every conversation, I feel like I can talk about K-pop every once in a while. So, hope you enjoy. All right. Thank you, Soul. Always good to get the K-pop perspective mm. from associate producer Soul Delgadillo. Okay, as I said, we are still, uh, though retired mainly from dead tree writing, music journalists, and we do our best to stay on top of the spectrum. The full spectrum of popular music. Chicago has four, essentially, uh, pop stations, right? So in the radio, on on my, uh, you know, presets in the car, uh, you know, public radio's number one and number six, and in between I've got the pop stations. Mm -hmm. And I often will cycle through uh, two, three, four, five, and see what is playing. Um, I also take a look uh, several times a year, and I mean a deep look, in front of my streaming service uh, at the top ten in Billboard. Mm -hmm. Does it still matter? You know, I mean, well, there are still, you know, a hundred odd powerful uh, commercial radio stations that play pop music. As I said, four in Chicago. Um, you know, what is a top 10 hit in 2022? What was? Uh, you know, time has become irrelevant. Often an album will be out a year, year and a half, and suddenly a TikTok mm. uh, video uh, shoots that single to the top of the chart and or, you know, the big promo push by what's left of the major labels, right? Anyway, I, I go through the top 10 and I make note of songs that dented my consciousness. So some of these, in theory, came out on album uh, quite some time before 2022, but they all were big hits in whatever is left of hit radio and the commercial spectrum in 2022. Uh, it only made it to number eight, uh, Little Nas X. That's what I want, but it spent nine weeks in the top ten. Mm -hmm. uh, when we reviewed his eagerly anticipated debut album, Proper, uh, this is one of the songs that stuck out with me. And darn, if whenever I hit the preset and <laughs> didn't hear it on the radio, it, I, I just love it, right? I mean, this is essentially a power pop song. Uh, Little Nas X is defying all genre uh, expectations, as we know. Uh, a proudly out, flamboyant gay man in country music. <laughs> uh, but here he's veering into, um, 
you know, the, the power pop world with just this incredible hook that you can't forget on That's What I Want and a proud, uh, defiant, uh, you know, exclamation of same-sex longing, an mm -hmm. anthem uh, I've heard it described. And uh, it is anthemic and it's catchy as hell. So Little Nas X, and you know, we have never talked about on the show the band Glass Animals, and uh, boy, is that a strange group. Comes together in Oxford uh, in the UK mm -hmm. in 2010, right? Essentially part of the indie world. That's the name that gets tossed at them a lot, although they're major label, right? Drawing on, on elements that are really familiar to us, uh, psych pop, alternative rock, um, but also scoring a huge hit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Dreamland album actually came out in 2020, but this song, Heat Waves, takes off uh, at the start of the summer of 2022. Spends 37 weeks in the top 10, mm. hitting number one. Can you think of the last time, like, an Oxford shoegaze yeah, band, right. essentially, yeah. had a number one hit? I mean, that didn't no, happen just... in the heyday of shoegaze, yeah. right? Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, a, a cool, swirly, but catchy, psych, all piece of uh, uh, pop. And unlikely, I, you know, I have to dig deeper in this band um, because all the info out there I've come across is cursory. I'm surprised there's not been like a Rolling Stone-style feature article. If there was, I missed. You know, because how did this band cross over? I don't know, but great song, Heat Waves. It is. Sometimes all I think about is you. All right, uh, I'm going down some uh, top 10 hits that dented my consciousness became favorite songs. Uh, Andrew Gill, uh, another of our producers, has a pick for his favorite song. Not a top 10 hit, 10 hit but doesn't matter, Andrew. Yeah, as far as I can tell, this did not make any of the uh, singles charts at all this year. <laughs> yeah, but what is what is Super Chunk lack that Glass Animals had? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> don't know. Uh, but yeah, this is a song off of Super Chunk's album, Wild Loneliness. It's the closing track, If You're Not Dark. Uh, mm. And, you know, when I think about these song of the year things, it's it's really like I, I'm trying to think of like what song encapsulates the feeling of this year to me, you know, like what's it going to yeah. feel like 2022. And if you're not dark, I think is the best pick for that because <laughs> it's this moment of like wanting hope, you know, like we want yeah. something to hope for. Uh, you know, the chorus, just, the lyrics just say it all. It's uh, if you're not dark, at least in some little part, what are you on? But can yeah. I have some? <laughs> you <know>? mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, there's songs that encapsulate the moment perfectly, and that Super Chunk one is is, is among them. And then there's other songs like the, the top ten hits I've been picking, some of them, you know, a year, year and a half old when they hit the top ten, right, that then 
you know, by virtue of the fact that suddenly everybody's listening to them, that becomes the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, then, it's strange. Yeah, the, but the the chorus ends by saying, "If you're not dark, I don't believe it." You know, <laughs> like right, it's like right. strains credulity that you could not be dark at all. You know, um, and yeah, uh, so it's like wanting wanting hope, but also being skeptical of people who already have it. You know, it's yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, it's a strange place this year was, and it's a strange you know song. It's Sharon Van Etten doing the duet. There is a yeah, really nice uh, epic addition, to, and it's just funny. You know, it's like mm-hmm. very serious, dark lyrics. You know, but uh, but funny and epic, and yeah, just very good. lifting us up with a little super chunk. Yeah, that's a great record. They're singing about darkness. Uh, great record, great band. Uh, all right, other stuff I found on the top ten. I, I, you know, I suppose it's a bit like hubris talking about I found it on the mm. top ten. It meant that most people were listening to this, right. but it would have escaped me because we had other albums to review. Right. Uh, have you heard of this artist, Greg? No. Taylor Gale <laughs> Rutherford. No. F-U-R-D. I am Rutherford. Not. She goes just by Gale, uh, all capital letters, G-A-Y-L-E. Um, raised in Plano, Texas, started singing when she was seven, eventually moved to Nashville, right, to pursue the musical career. We know this story, right? Um, and what a strange hit this was it made it to number three in march it was on the charts for 13 weeks and gail clearly has listened to you know alanis morissette and the angry female voices of the 90s the old Mm -hmm. rock era movement right uh and uh you know this song which again everything i'm playing um exploded into consciousness because of TikTok, right? Um, Gail's uh, song, uh, you know, she wrote A-B-C-D-E-F-U, inspired by a miserable breakup where she was being too nice to the person who had uh, uh, hurt her and, you know, decided, what if I show a little bit of attitude? You know, well, here's what I'd really like to have said. You know that moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? When right. somebody puts you down, hurts you, disappoints you, yeah, sure. and it never comes to you at the moment. So after the fact, uh, plus there was a challenge on her TikTok fan base. Uh, she, she was uh, stuck for writing a new song. Somebody said, why don't you write a song about the letters of the alphabet? Uh, of course, it has that classic snotty rock and roll thing that we can go back to the beginning you know with chuck berry and everybody else uh sneaking in a little double entendre Mm -hmm. uh, of a uh a cuss uh to 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 the listeners right not to the listeners but to those who don't appreciate her uh and it was paired uh uh with a um cover the single uh she had dislocated her middle finger and uh the, the cover was the x-ray from the hospital mm-hmm. you, you get where i'm going yeah here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i mean this is not the subtlest uh no you don't think so <laughs> uh yeah, but, but, but you know it never gets old i mean part of me yeah. is perpetually uh you know 13 years old i just love <laughs> you know what she's saying yeah <laughs> 
I become Beavis you and be, Butthead. You are both. I yes. am both. So uh, A B C D E F U by mm. Gail. That, that really amused me. Um, 11 weeks on the chart, including hitting number one, Nicki Minaj, Super Freaky Girl. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with that sample of, uh, of Rick James, you know, Super Freak. Uh, you can't go wrong with uh, Nicki's attitude-laden uh, boasting of her sexual power and her fame and talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just the attitude is is winning. Uh, again, you know, explodes on TikTok quite some time after um, the album is released, right? And, uh, you know, what is there to say? Uh, you know, if Gail was, was uh, ever so slightly putting the veneer of, uh, uh, you know, being coy on ABCDEFU, there's no coyness with Nicki Minaj, <laughs> you know. She's a freaky girl. That's what I am. Yeah. And that's what she is proud to be. And uh, driven by Rick James, who was a very freaky boy. Uh, I loved it. Well, it's, and it's amazing that she's um, she's now 40 years old, I believe. Yeah. Uh, female, um, you know, hip-hop artist who has sustained... And a mom. Yeah. A uh, career uh, now a uh, couple decades long. That's pretty amazing. And a big controversy, because it was uh, uh, up for a uh, possible uh, Grammy nomination, but in pop, and Nikki thought that was a slight. She wanted to be in rap. She mm-hmm. didn't, didn't wind up with either. But, hey, Nikki, Grammys don't matter. Yeah. You're getting played on Sound right. Opinions. <laughs> Uh, we're going to turn to Alex Claiborne, our uh, other beloved producer. Um, you know, Alex, uh, I think you and I both would have put Lizzo on the list, but we talked about Lizzo uh, on our uh, Best Albums uh, show. Yeah, About Damn Time by Lizzo was on my Spotify most listened to. It was number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've spoken about Lizzo. Um, and so I felt... It would be a disservice to myself and to our listeners, perhaps, to not mention Taylor Swift. And there was a song that she put out on her deluxe edition, Midnight's, the 3 a.m. edition. Mm -hmm. And the song Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. To me, it's one of my favorite songs of the year because it's classic Taylor Swift. Um, It's kind of combining all these different eras that she's had um, and putting out a song that is like a vintage Taylor, like lyrical masterpiece. So she did it with Aaron Dessner from the national who she Mm -hmm. collaborated with on folklore and evermore. Um, A little of that indie cred mm -hmm. or trying to Alex. Yes, exactly. Um, And the song is basically about when she was 19 years old and had a relationship with a 32 year old man, (laughs) John Mayer. 
And um, <laughs> now she's reflecting on it as a 32 year old woman going, oh, my God, you know, I thought that I was this mature person. And yet here I was kind of being taken advantage of of this person. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, for me, the bridge, there's always a joke amongst Taylor Swift fans that the bridge is like the bridges of all her songs are very iconic. And this one is just 10 out of 10. I mean, we talk about TikTok videos. Yeah. There's a TikTok of this song in the background with a car from a video game jumping off of a cliff and just tumbling down. Well, when, when Taylor lets the venom fly, uh, uh, she is fantastic at it. I'd like to hear her and Gail collaborate on a song about Ticketmaster. Uh, yes. Well, I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about that, too. I think Gail may actually be opening for her on some of her dates on that tour, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I didn't even know. She, See, I go through the top ten, right, and and hit the radio button game, right, and and occasionally look at some of the streaming services most streamed. And, it's like, when I don't know who they are, I just try to listen to them. Yeah. How is it's this a good way been to do number it. one for six weeks, you know, eight weeks, 37 yeah. weeks, right? Alex, was this one of the songs that was... Uh, dominating. I mean, every song in the top ten was was a Taylor Swift song. Was this one of them? There was you know, that stretch. I don't know, but yeah, she was the first artist. I believe she was the first artist and the first um, time that all ten songs in the Billboard top ten were by a female artist. Um, this was not one of them because it was included in sort of like the next week's like the extra batch right, of right, songs. Okay. Um, I love. All, most of if not all the songs on those albums are the you know main and then the deluxe but this yeah. one to me was a really um symbolic of her evolution and yet ability to stay true to herself yeah right. I, I mean you know we're talking about a beatles level domination of pop music right now yeah by this artist for sure and it's you know it's been going on for years now, now a little love for Taylor Swift. Uh, my last entry, Greg, uh, hit number four, uh, was not on the top ten for all that long. But, you know, there's a, a among the, uh, uh, you know, we listen to so much music, how do we stay on top of the pop charts? Is it worth our time? Uh, dabble in occasionally. Right? You know, a, a excellent barometer for me is when something has made a dent on my wife, Carmel. Mm -hmm right, who knows what she likes, listens to what she likes, is open to new stuff, but has right. the shortest, you know, like, does not uh, truck fools lightly, right? <laughs> so, so most crap. And then all of a sudden, you know, she's telling me how much she likes uh, Bad Bunny. Mm -hmm. And the last time this happened, it actually happened with my wife and your wife. I remember at a Christmas party for Sound Opinions a couple of years ago, Deb and, and Carmel talking about how much they love Bruno Mars. Right. It's really weird when something from the pop, you know, consciousness suddenly dents that. And then I'm um, knowledgeable conversation, and Carmel is big on Bad Bunny. Uh, Benito Antonio Martinez Ocasio, mm. uh, Puerto Rican artist, rapper, 
you know, some say he has uh, defined the style known as Latin trap slash reggaeton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a lot of fun. He's an explosion of energy. Uh, Moscow Mule, named after the cocktail, <laughs> <laughs> is about enjoying life uh, with a cold drink in a copper glass. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that basically this is this is his uh, this is all of the hits he has had over the course of uh, four studio albums. Uh, it's about living uh, La Vida Loca, another one of those pop hits from right. that came and went, right? So, Bad Bunny, Moscow Mule. Pero se la saco, Bad Bunny with uh, Moscow Mule wrapping up uh, Jim DeRogatis' Singles of the Year. You gotta ask Deb if she likes uh, Bad Bunny. I like him too. I mean, he's uh, a reggaeton man. That's everybody thought it was a fad, and that. Reggaeton will j- just keeps exploding. You know? For shame on us for not having talked uh, about the phenomenon known as Bad Bunny or Gale or Glass Animals. He's quite magnetic live. I've seen him a couple of times in big shows, and he does. Uh, he's quite a dynamic performer. Mm. A a fine collection of songs from 2022, if I do say so myself. Thank you for sharing, uh, everyone. And uh, I also loved a lot of the music this year. But as longtime listeners know. Uh, I put together an annual mixtape of some of my favorite songs. And that's what I'll be sharing next on Sound Opinions. And we are back. I'm going to dive into my annual mixtape, which I have dubbed Strange Things Are Happening Every Day. Uh, you can tell what kind of mood I was in uh, during 2022. Yeah, like but, 2021 and 2020 before it. But you are the king of the mixtape. Well, I love uh, putting these things together, and now it's easier than ever, where you can sort of make a running list of your uh, favorite songs on a playlist, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about this the other night with some listeners of the show, and I mentioned that I had I had looked at that list again, and I had, well, I had, there's 162 songs on there. <laughs> and and, I, and the, these date back to, like, January. And so yeah. I'm going, we're listening to stuff. I'm listening to stuff independently, sometimes stuff that we don't even review on the show. But I'll hear something that catches my ear, and I go, God, that's a cool song. I like that vibe or whatever, a lyric or something that stands out about the song, and I'll drop it into that playlist. And then you start to see uh, a playlist take shape in your head as you're looking over this collection of songs that appeal to me over the course of a year, and you pick out 25, 30 of them that just sort of make sense together, or at least they make sense to me. But I dubbed the mixtape, this year's mixtape, uh, Strange Things Are Happening Every Day because of, uh, you know, I was in a Rosetta, Sister Rosetta Tharp mood all year, mm. that Elvis movie. As much as people can denigrate, you know, Elvis, I think they did some um, really amazing things with the highlighting the black performers that influenced Elvis. Yeah. And Yola's song in particular uh, on that soundtrack was, was stood out for me. It was one of those tracks that really kind of, hmm, that song has a lot of relevance about the way things went this year. And a lot of these artists on my playlist this year uh, seem to be addressing the whole idea of coming out of this period where we just got thrown for a loop. We just, a haymaker, you know, with the pandemic for yeah. two, two plus years. These are just a 
selection of several songs from the mixtape, so I'm going to do this in two segments. This first set includes uh, the song uh, Mono Retriever from a band called Dummy. It's a co-ed L.A. quartet. I, I played this as a buried treasure earlier this year. They released a, a debut LP uh, called Mandatory Enjoyment last year, and I just thought, okay, that's kind of where we're at as a, as a, as a people, mandatory enjoyment. We're going to find some way to have fun mm-hmm. amidst all this trouble. And I also thought there was something reassuring about that Krautrock rock groove never seems to go away in terms of at least spinning my wheels. Like I, yeah, I, the I, motor I love beat. it so much, that, that groove over those hazy shoegaze guitars. Yes, there are some references here. Yes, this group does remind me a lot of Stereolab, which was mm. sort of like a second-generation iteration of, of Krautrock. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less enjoyable. Um, you know, that, that sound will always get to me. Uh, the, the next track is uh, a track from a new band called Plosives. It's a new old band because the, uh, one of the founders of that band is John Reese, who's been in some of my favorite bands of the last three decades, Hot Snakes, Rocket from the Crypt, uh, Drive Like Jehu, all John Reese projects. He is in this band. It's a fabulous explosion of John Reese guitar. And again, Reese um, is a veteran who was just completely going nuts because he loves to tour. Uh, he loves to play music live. So he says, well, I'll just form another band. I've already got mm. 12 bands going. I'm going to make <laughs> another band and make another set of music for that band. So I love that attitude. Bodega... Uh, a band out in New York produced by, uh, their first record was produced by Austin Brown of Parquet Courts. Mm. So in lieu of any Parquet Courts this year, we got a record produced by a member of Parquet Courts, one of my favorite bands. Bodega has since gone on since that collaboration with Parquet Courts and continuing in the vein of, of really smart, well-crafted, uh, but sort of out of left field pop songs like they're, they're writing pop music but it's also got a little bit of a twist to it and this this track statuette on the console uh basically an atheist's um you know declaration right? that's, a, that's probably the best way i can <laughs> the put little it. icon of the yes, saints on the exactly. dashboard like what do you got that you're, you're praying to that statuette on yeah. your console you think that's going to save your life it's up to you buddy it's up to you to, to do that and uh finally the ocs and this is in that john reese vein where you have a veteran artist, John Dwyer, who we've talked to in San Francisco. We went to San Francisco to talk to John Dwyer once upon a time. Mm. Uh, 26th album by the OCs, reaching a new generation of fans with this music, uh, very much referencing his 80s roots here. The track is called Foul, the title track uh, from his new album uh, by the OCs. Uh, so that completes this first playlist.
So the old mixtape, Greg, has become a playlist. Uh, although the concept is still the same. It is, it is, very much so. And those songs sort of tie together, I think, a little bit, at least in my head. Um, you, the, the, the last track you just heard was from the OCs, A Foul Form, and then preceded by Bodega with a statuette on the console. Uh, the Plosives came before that, Hit the Brakes is the name of the song, and Dummy with Mono Retriever uh, preceding that. Now uh, I want to go to the final four songs on my mixtape, which is where... The Strange Things Are Happening Everyday theme emerges from, very much in a Sister Rosetta Tharp mode, as I said. <laughs> uh, we have uh, two songs associated with Sister Rosetta in this final burst of music. Uh, Sister Rosetta, of course, the pioneering gospel singer and guitarist. If you are not aware of who she is, please look her up. She is one of the founding moms of rock and roll. Uh, before they knew what to call it, uh, even though she was dubbed a gospel singer. In Very the belated uh, reassessment of her importance. So, Jim, uh, Peaky Blinders, it's on your radar, right? You like it. That, I, you're not I, a big fan, I, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not, yeah. But the music, I think, is fabulous. The music let's, is let's, good, you know, yeah. I, I think the show's fantastic. I think the music is just as good. Anna Calvi, one of my favorite artists out of the U.K., has been a constant voice in that soundtrack over the six, I think it's on six or seven seasons now just ended, I guess. Uh, We're going to wrap it up with a movie. But anyway, she uh, has been the voice in many ways, along with Nick Cave of the soundtracks. Mm. And Ain't No Grave is the song she performs in this season's episodes. Ain't No Grave, a a song uh, that has had many, many incarnations. Uh, But I think Sister Rosetta Tharp did the definitive version of this gospel tune in 1946. Calvi takes a stab at it here and does an incredible job with it. This was also a song that Johnny Cash recorded just before his death. Ain't no grave going to keep me down, right? Mm. I mean, I am going to rise above all ter- kinds of turmoil. I ain't going anywhere. And it, believe me, if you've ever seen, uh, if you've ever seen Peaky Blinders, it, it fits uh, appropriately. Brittany Davis with I Choose to Live follows that up. Yes, kind of ties in. Ain't no grave. I choose to live, Brittany Davis says. Yes, this is the attitude we need to have to get uh, get out of this mess that we're in. Uh, fantastic uh, debut record by Brittany Davis, um, followed by a track called To Dream from Seisumi, a, a, a shift to South Korea. This is a beautiful, beautiful track. It's a tribute to the band's late drummer, Seisumi, uh, lost their drummer uh, just as they were completing their previous album. And, many, and in many ways, the last thing left album that they put out in 2022, one of my favorites of the year, uh, was a tribute to their, their lost companion, the, 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 the drummer that they lost along the way. Uh, and this song in particular, I think, is just a really powerful evocation of his memory. It, it kind of starts off soft and, and, and almost um, uh, in, in a bit of a eulogy mode, but then this just incredible guitar track just builds and builds and builds to the end, and that kicks right into Yola's Strange Things Happening Every Day. You can hear that version of that great sister Rosetta track in the Boz Lerman movie soundtrack. And again, I got problems with Elvis. I got problems with Boz Lerman. I got problems with the movie. But Yola steals the show with this song. Uh, what, a, what a performance. The way they bring in the gospel elements into the song at the end. Uh, just a superb treatment of a classic song to wrap up the mixtape. 
shout, shout. if you just learn to keep your mouth. your mouth. Oh, there are strange things. We talk too much sometimes. Happening every day. Well, stop talking about it. We talk about everything and do something about it. Oh, there are strange things happening every day. We're closing with Yola doing strange things happening every day. And man, oh man, Jim, the, it, the strange things are still happening. Yeah, that's day. for sure. Preceded, well, preceded by Two Dream from Say Sumi. Before that, we heard uh, Brittany Davis, I Choose to Live. And we kicked off with Ain't No Grave by Anna Calvi. You know, Robert Criscow, uh many, many years ago, said there's two types of rock critics, those who wanted to be musicians and those who wanted to be DJs. <laughs> and uh, and since, you know, I still play the drums, rehearsing punk rock every week, and yeah. you, you do the annual mixtape, uh, good time. And people can hear the full mixtape uh, through the link on our website, soundopinions.org. Mr. Cott, what is on the show next week? Next week, Jim, an interview with director Cameron Crow, he's been on the show before, friend of the Long show. Long-time friend of the show. Almost famous. Uh, great movie that uh, Cameron directed uh, is on it Broadway. It is on Broadway, yeah. And uh, he's going to talk about that transition from the movie world to the uh, the stage world. The and big theatrical stage, yes. And, and many other things. It's always a pleasure to talk to Cameron. And don't forget to check out the bonus podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our Columbia College intern is Lauren Holt, and our social media consultant is Katie Cott. 